If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Iowa to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. How are you doing, my friends? Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 90 of the podcast. If you're a new listener, I want to welcome you. Highway to Health is your place for trusted health guidance and resource. I've got Dr. Aaron Babb on the show again today to talk about vaccines and to give us a better understanding of how they work and hopefully dispel any anxiety we might have about receiving them and why he believes they're safe. And we also talk about you know, how we need to manage these risks as we start to work on reopening our economy and get us back to doing more of the things that we love to do with our friends and loved ones. And also, I have some exciting news. I got my first shot yesterday, the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. Had to drive two and a half hours to Duluth, Minnesota to get it. But it was actually kind of a nice time, you know, just in the anticipation of this change coming up to see the, the light at the end of this pandemic tunnel, to do a road trip and kind of have some time to myself listening to podcasts and music and just have some time to and space to contemplate this this past year. Had a whole range of emotions come up and you know I'm sure I've been holding a lot in this past year trying to get through as many of us has. So I mean I'm not surprised. Um, but it feels like there's a kind of a, a new part of this healing process that's that's happening just from going through this already. So if you haven't gotten it yet, be prepared. It's going to be it's going to be a lot going on, I think, in this in this respect. And I'm planning to try to capture some of this in writing at some point. So I'll be sure to share it with you. Um, and I'll also let you know how I feel after my uh, my April 6th, uh, second appointment. Uh, n- nothing from this first one, really. I mean, I, I didn't really feel too tired or anything. Just a tiny, tiny bit of soreness in my arm. That's it. But uh, I'll be sure to report back after my April 6th uh, shot as well. And can I ask a, a favor of all of you before we get started here? If you've been listening to the show and you found some value from a specific guest or topic, could you give us a review? It really helps to bring some visibility to the show, and your, your comments might just get someone to engage with a specific topic that will actually improve their lives. So thank you for doing this. I really appreciate the effort. So I, I reached out to Dr. Aaron recently uh, to ask if he was hearing about any concerns from his patients about getting vaccinated because I was starting to hear them from some of the people I treat. And uh, in an age of so much information, it's hard to you know, know who to believe at this point. But I've heard from many of you uh, over this past year that you really appreciate what Dr. Aaron brings and uh, uh, his speaking about a number of different subjects over the years, but especially as it, re- as it re- has related to COVID uh, because he's doing a lot of researching and presenting at the seven clinics that he's involved with in Northern California. So I thought it was time to to have him back on again to help us understand the differences between these vaccines and how safe they are. And also some really fascinating information here on how these messenger RNA vaccines work. Please enjoy my conversation here with Dr. Aaron Babb. 
I just wanted to kind of talk about, you know, what the, some of the concerns are with people with vaccines. And I feel like the, 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 the one thing that needs to be addressed right now is like the safety and efficacy. Absolutely. I would, I would be happy to talk about it because I talk about it all the time with my patients and I've had, you know, quite a few people who have pushed back against the vaccine or have, you know, been really questionable, which, which is totally understandable. Yeah. Like, I think it's, it's, it's a good idea. And I think it's very understandable for anyone to be, you know, to question things, not to just like, you know, take things at face value or to, you know, really try to dig in a little bit before making a decision about their health. Yeah. But unfortunately, like the world we live in right now, there's just so much misinformation. And so much. it's just, and and the thing is, it's just like the internet is an incredible thing. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's taken our species, you know, as humans on the planet, just like skyrocketing so many amazing things. But at the same time, anyone can write anything or say anything about anything on the internet and it can reach billions of people. Yeah. You know, and so the thing is, is that unfortunately today, truth is not you is not usually like the the number one good, right? You know, and so like it doesn't the, the sell truth, very well, right? Yeah, <laughs> and the and the and the truth is it doesn't like float to the top where everyone basically just shares the truth, right? Like unfortunately, like whatever gets shared the most or whatever basically gets the most clicks or whatever like the most the outrage biggest reaction, or yeah, yeah, like the biggest reaction, you know, like um, unfortunately gets spread so quickly yeah and because so many people are are you know quarantined and at home and not interacting with people and engaged in social media and getting most of their information from social media or even just the media in general that's a 24-hour news cycle yeah. you know and so much of this stuff is just kind of like hyped up and different opinions and so it's been really hard i think for people to know who to trust it's, i mean it's been hard for me even preparing for a lot of like my COVID presentations, you know, weekly that I was doing for, yeah. you know, like our clinic and, and the other providers. Like I found myself, um, you know, thinking, gosh, it's hard to know who, I, who to trust here. And so at the beginning, like really, like really soon in the beginning, they uh, started working on these mRNA vaccines. Yeah. And one of the misinformations that like continues to, I, I think, like percolate in the social media world is that like this mRNA technology is so new and they just came up with it and they just like pushed it, pushed it through, you know, like the FDA, all that kind of stuff. It's too that's fast. Just not, and it's just not true. Right, like right. they've been working on mRNA vaccines for like, I think over a decade. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, um, I should, you know, and I could look up, uh, look specifically, you know, when exactly they started working on it. Yeah. But imagine, basically, you know, and, and imagine, <laughs> you know, like you're working in a lab or you're working like at a university and you're working on a project, you know, and, and people are working on, say, these mRNA vaccines, you know, like across the country and across the world, you know, and they're, and they're doing it. They're making progress. They're writing papers. They're doing different things. And then all of a sudden there becomes basically a global reason for your research and the thing that you've been working on right. to like basically impact the world. And then all of these resources go to that thing. Like, right. of course, they're going to be able to basically finish and perfect this thing. Because, because know, before, be before they were like individual silos kind of working on these projects, right? And then, and then it got to a certain point where like, actually, I think a, sh a share of some of that information 
conversation had to happen to move forward. And I'm sure there's lots of business deals going on in the process. <laughs> but well, not, but, not but, only business business deals, but you know, one of the coolest things, you know, again, everything has pros and cons, but one of the coolest things about this, like what happened is that all these scientists across the world started sharing information. Yeah. You know what I mean? And in basically an open place. Whereas like in the scientific world, unfortunately, so much of of research is basically like people try to kind of hold things to their own yeah. until it can get published in a journal. Yeah. And often those journals have paywalls. And so like you can't read the article unless you're at a university and they've subscribed to it. Yeah. Otherwise, a lot of these journals just to read one article is like 25 to 40 bucks type right. of thing, you know? Right. And so like this kind of broke down some of those walls and a lot of people just started sharing information. You know, a lot of the scientists and then, you know, a lot of the journals actually started sharing some of their full text articles for free because of how important it was. Yeah. And so these mRNA basically like vaccines started basically like uh, going through like perfection a lot quicker because right. everyone was kind of working on it. And so anyways, so soon in the pandemic when I was kind of presenting on these things, um, I was looking at the different, you know, like mechanisms and stuff like that. And there were already some people saying, oh, like you have to be wary about these mRNA vaccines because like it's going to interact with your DNA. It's going to change your genetic code. Like, you know, they're going to, you know, put trackers inside of you or that sort of thing. Right. And, you know, and so even when I was looking at those diagrams at the beginning, you know, granted, you know, I didn't take a deep, deep enough dive and I totally kind of got mixed up in, in some of the misinformation there. Yeah. And luckily, luckily, you know, soon after that, I caught myself and I looked way deeper into the whole mechanisms of how these like mRNA vaccines work. And honestly, it's really pretty amazing technology. Yeah, it really is. And so let me see if I can try to like explain it at like a high enough level that people can kind of understand without having to like know a ton of the biology. Yeah, yeah, okay? cool. Okay, so basically, you know, we're all basically made up of cells, obviously, you know, like trillions yeah. of cells in our body. Yeah. And so all these cells basically like have a, an internal like center. Okay. And that center basically is called the nucleus. And within the nucleus, the center of the cell is where the DNA is kept. And your DNA is basically kind of like your, you know, the genetic code, like your instruction manual. Yeah. And yeah. it's usually, you know, like really coiled tightly and co almost like saved for when it ne is needed later. And when it's needed later is to build proteins okay. that your body can use, that the cell can use and your body can use to basically fix issues or to rebuild itself because your body is always turning over, yeah. you know, and rebuilding itself and kind of getting rid of old things. And it's just like a magical thing what your body can do. Yeah. So, so like the, like again, so the center of the cell in the nucleus is where the DNA is kept. And to be able to make those proteins that your body needs, that DNA has to get transcribed or basically turned into RNA. Okay. So the pathway is DNA, and then the DNA goes outside of the nucleus. I mean, sorry, the, the DNA gets basically turned into RNA and goes outside of the nucleus okay. into the other part of the cell. Okay, so the the DNA is inside the nucleus, and the RNA is outside of the nucleus. And, and okay. is that like a mirror of the DNA then, or...? Exactly. Okay. Yep. Okay. And so then, so the RNA is outside of the nucleus and the RNA gets tra gets converted into proteins by these ribosomes inside of your, 
inside of the other part of your cell. Okay. And then the, the RNA gets converted into those proteins, and then those proteins can be used to, you know, rebuild the cell and that sort of thing. Gotcha. So the way the RNA vaccines work is you get injected with the vaccine, and the vaccine basically what it has is just a lipid layer. Yeah. So then your your cells can take it up, and inside that lipid lipid layer is strands of RNA. Okay. okay? Just the RNA. Yes. And so because the RNA is so fragile, okay, like that's why it has to be like, you know, stored at such cold temperatures. Okay. Right? Because imagine, so imagine one of the reasons why your body has a fever, right? The reason why you, when you get sick and your body creates a fever, that's your immune system like turning on and creating all this temperature to try to be actually like degrade RNA of viruses. Yeah. You know, to, to actually like break it all apart. Yeah. And so that's why the mRNA vaccine needs to be really cold. And then it gets injected into your system and your cells take up that RNA into the cell, but it doesn't go into the nucleus itself. Okay. 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 And so basically the RNA goes into the cell and then the ribosomes turn that RNA into the spike protein of the coronavirus. Yeah. The specific protein on the outside of the the coronavirus with no with no other part of the virus. So like you can't get like the viral infection from this mRNA vaccines because it's literally just one little protein and it's the protein that your body is most likely to recognize okay. to be able to mount a response. Okay. Okay. It's, yep. it's like actually very elegant. It's yeah. very elegant, yeah. like how it works. And so then your cell creates this spike protein and then it's, it basically spits it out of the cell. So then your immune system system can recognize it and be like, Oh my gosh, what is this crazy thing? Yeah. We're going to build up like an immune system to this because this is a foreign invader. Yep. Yep. Right. And so that's why, like, you know, the first injection is kind of like it primes your immune system, you yep. know, to like kind of do that. And then the second to have one. have seen it once, right? Yeah, exactly. And then the second one basically is to like mount an even much higher, like, you know, immune reaction. So then you have a longer term immunity and it's even more effective. Yep. Yep. And so, and so, this is one thing that I, I, you know, I hear some confusion about too, but so when people, when people have a response, you know, a lot of times, like if they get fevery, if they get the chills or they have headaches or something after they get the vaccine, I think, I think people are starting to hear more and more about this, but in the beginning, you know, the first month of, of getting the vaccine, people were starting to say, oh, the, the, the side effects are horrible, but the, the, the side effects we're trying to really prevent is are these hospitalizations and death that come from this virus this this is an appropriate response right for our, for us to actually have kind of flu like symptoms just not as bad as they as they would be with even probably the general flu but but certainly not with with this coronavirus absolutely and so all of these quote unquote side effects are basically your immune system turning itself on because it's mounting a response against, against this foreign invader. Right. So then later, if you actually get infected with the real virus, it can take care of that. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that I hear a lot, uh, even before this pandemic, is people, you know, won't want to get the flu vaccine because they say, oh, I don't get the flu vaccine because I, I got the flu from it, right. which is really impossible. But because the thing is, is like when we think about the flu or flu-like symptoms, mm -hmm. that's actually, again, your immune system turning on to fight off right. this thing. Yep. And so it, when we think back to these mRNA vaccines, 
you know, most people do okay with the first dose. Yeah. And then the second dose is when, you know, a lot of people will have these reactions to it. And I always tell people that this is, you know, an expected thing. Yeah. Like you may have a sore arm or you may have body aches or a fever or fatigue, that sort of thing. Because again, that's your immune system turning on to be able to mount a big enough response to learn from it and be able to fight it off later. Yeah. And that's not to say that like, that and so the flip side of that is that's not to say that if you say get both, you know, get both doses of the vaccine and you feel okay, that doesn't mean that your system didn't like, you know, didn't turn on either. It's just right. like each body is different. Yeah. The other part of it too is these coronaviruses to are common enough to the coronavirus that actually causes the common cold. Yeah. That some people have have built up enough of an immunity to the common cold coronavirus that yeah. their immune system already knows a little bit about yes, this. Yes, right, right. And so therefore their body is going to, you know, kind of build up a big enough response. Yeah. But let me kind of uh, go along with what you were just saying too. Like the the whole point of a vaccine is is not necessarily to like for you not to have any symptoms and for you never to get the actual infection. The whole point of, the, of a vaccine is actually for your immune system to be able to remember this pathogen. Yeah. And if you get exposed to that pathogen, it can take care of it quickly enough that you don't end up sick enough to be in the hospital or to die. Right. So when you really look at the data so far, you know, from basically like the Moderna, the Pfizer or the Johnson & Johnson the vaccine, yeah. all three of them prevent people dying. Right, like, right. You know, almost like a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, a lot of patients will ask, oh, which one should I get? That sort of thing. And, and really, I tell people, like, get the one that you have access to if possible. Yeah, totally. I, I, that's another question I was going to have is, is you know, I, I'm sure people are, are wondering, are they asking you this, these kinds of questions? And even if I could back up a little bit, I, I know that because you and I have had these conversations, and I think we may have recorded uh, talking about this at some point. There, you have about a thousand or so probably people in your care at the moment. Is that is that about right? Mm -hmm. Was was there a moment where you where you finally felt like okay, I understand what this what this what this what these vaccines are going to do, and I feel comfortable now recommending it. Was was there Absolutely. anything that so, happened where that, that you were like okay, I'm ready? Absolutely. So. Um, you know, we were having this this meeting every single week over Zoom with all the you know providers across all the seven clinics that I work at, and um, you know I was kind of asked early in in the pandemic to be able to present, you know, and it turned out that they just kind of asked me every week to keep presenting this like kind of COVID update, and yeah. so you know I got pretty deep into the weeds of, of all the you know the technology with like the vaccines and you know about all the new meds and all that stuff and and it was really great for my you know like for my knowledge and to be able to try to share as much unbiased and like clear information to my colleagues as possible and so but at the same time I, I was always trying to be like very honest about like what I was struggling with or like what data I was having a hard time believing yeah. or who I was trusting and so I it think took, that's so important you know, too. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, you know, it's one thing if you present one time to a group, because then, you know, you, you tend to kind of 
just be very confident and, and basically try to like, you know, say like, oh, these are the things I absolutely know and this is yeah. how I think you should do it. Yeah. But when you present every week to colleagues that you know and you work with, I tend to be like very just open and honest. Transparent, and like, hey, yeah. Like, yeah. And, and actually, as we started meeting after months, the discussions just started getting so much better and more and more people are being open about like what they thought about things and their concerns and their patient concerns and all these things. And it was really, it was really interesting because as we got closer to um, getting the actual vaccines delivered to us, uh, you know, kind of like through the county in California, a lot of it is basically being directed uh, at the county level by okay. kind of like the county public health and stuff. And we weren't sure when we were going to get the vaccine and which one and that sort of thing. And so it was a little before we actually got the, so we got the Moderna vaccine. Okay. And I was presenting one day and I was kind of going back and forth on it because really for a long time, I I would say that if I wasn't in healthcare and because I'm a, I'm a fairly young and healthy person. Yeah. Like I probably would have waited three to six months to be able to see kind of independent data and make like a more, you know, like informed decision because like I live in the mountains. I don't really, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, but like I work in a clinic and I'm exposed to a ton of people. But the bigger thing is that I take care of a lot of, you know, sick and older people, like people who that if they did actually get the, you know, get the virus, they would likely die. And yeah. I had quite, yeah. I've had, unfortunately, I've had quite a few patients who did, you know, succumb to the, to the virus for, you know, at different, at different time points and yeah. for different reasons. And so while I was presenting one day, um, it was almost like I had just like this, this clear, like mind shift and, and things just kind of clicked because when, when I was presenting kind of all these months, a lot of it was in this like theoretical, you know, kind of academic right. type of yeah, discussions, yeah. you know, and it wasn't really kind of like on, on the ground, like really taking care of my patients. So when I was presenting one day, it really was getting to the point where we were going to get the vaccine and like I was really going to have to start talking to this specifically to my patients. And whenever I, you know, see a patient and we're talking about something complex, I, it's almost like I have this 3D puzzle in my mind about risks and benefits. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. all the different options and what are like, what are the risks? What are the benefits? Like how could yeah, I, I taking, go through this you know, too. taking in, yeah, and taking into considered consideration like the whole patient, yeah. you know, and how their health is, but their financial health and yeah. their family life and their work and all of these different things. And it's it's really kind of like a, a moving 3D puzzle, yeah, you know, yeah. to try to help, like help this person, you know, decide what's best for them. Yeah. And so in that moment when I was presenting, I basically, it became just like a light bulb, like a no brainer. Almost every single person should get the vaccine because when you look at the the risks of the vaccine or even the theoretical risks, yeah. they are like nothing compared to the actual risks of people getting the virus. Yeah. And so the thing because the you know, especially a lot of my patients who are, who are older and have medical issues and who wouldn't be able to really, you know, like be able to fight it off, but you know, even the flip side of that, it's not just that you're trying to prevent people from dying from it, right? Yeah. Like there's so many statistics that I think get thrown around in the media to try to like prove a point. So a lot of people will say, well, you know, like less than 2% of people are dying from this right, thing. So right. it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. But 
the thing is though, is that like 80% of the people who do have it and got like a, a, a reasonable reaction to the virus are still having symptoms yeah. like three to six months later. Yeah. And so it's it's a big deal. And so and even and even to- some fairly healthy people. I mean, I, I know people in healthcare here in Minneapolis, and you know, I mean, our rate has been pretty low. I think even compared to the country, and yet the people who have gotten it, who who were exposed and maybe exposed to to you know larger amounts because they worked in health systems, or had just you know more chance of them getting it. There's been I've I've heard of a number of of long haulers from from getting it too, who are like under fifty. Yes, exactly, exactly. And so that's the thing is that you're not just trying to, you know, prevent people from dying, but trying to prevent people from actually getting a real infection that's going to cause detriment to their health. Right. And so like, that's why I really, I really do believe that like almost everyone should, you know, if they want you know, after discussing, you know, with their healthcare provider, yeah. you know, disclaimer, but still like, like really when you look at the risks and the benefits and that sort of thing, like most everyone should get the vaccine because really when you think about it, vaccines are the number one biggest saver of life that humanity has ever created. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like it really is. Going like back how to polio po- vaccine and, you know, from, from that point on, we, we, I mean, the things that, and I, and I had people in my family, my, you know, my grandfather's siblings who had polio as, as children. I mean, that we do, we don't see any of that anymore. So we, this is, this is the first reminder we've had in like a century. Oh, for sure. And you know what? And I've had, I have a couple of elderly patients who had polio when they were kids yeah. and they, st- you know, are still kind of, you know, deformed from like the infection and have had like, you know, hardships in their life or even, you know, like, you know, measles coming back because yeah. people aren't vaccinating and that has a reasonable death rate, you know, yeah. like it's not just like a viral infection that like kids are just fine. Like there are kids who die from that. and Or have long-term know? consequences. Exactly. Yeah. So that's like one piece of it. But the other piece of it is there's a lot of problems from the pandemic and people like quarantine and mental health going out of the, yeah. you know, going crazy. Like, so the other part of it is let's all get vaccinated and, so we and, can get and our the, life and back. And the economy and everything else. I know. And, and when we talked, I think last summer, I remember at that point, there was just this article that had come out about that and, and you know this was this was becoming a very politicized thing but there was an article that came out that said basically 50% of people were on the fence and that number i think has has changed significantly maybe maybe this comes you know is due to some extent to pandemic you know fatigue <laughs> people are like okay whatever i have to do to get past this but i still know there's a there's a percentage of people and i don't know where it's at at this point but I, i'm sure it's it's not quite getting to the point. I mean, we, we need to get to that herd immunity number and it's hard to say what that number is because we, we can't really track all those early, um, you know, people who are infected. But I'm, I'm guessing that we need to, you know, vaccinate at least 70% of the population, right? Yeah, if not more, you if know, some more. of the experts are saying, it, yeah, some of the experts are even, you know, saying saying more than that. Is there a way that you've dealt with it? Have you have you have you been hearing this in 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 your patients? Are is there anyone that you're concerned about who's not getting it? Oh, for sure. Yeah, there are. You know, there are definitely quite a few patients who, who even say after like a reasonable discussion are still, you know, are, are still like, oh, I want to wait that sort of thing. Yeah. And I respect everyone's decision. Right. You know, and and my job isn't to make you know decisions for anyone. Right. Right. It's really to basically have a conversation with people and try to give them as much of the 
you know, like the objective, unbiased, you know, information. Yeah. And then if they ask me what my opinion is or what like they think I, you know, that they should do from my opinion, then I will absolutely give it. But I really, you know, in, in almost everything, like I really try not to be like, you have to do this or, or you should do this. And like, there's no other discussion. I really try to, you know, respect people's opinion, but then give them the information that not only are you still at risk of getting the infection and those risks are like way outweigh the, the theoretical risks of the vaccine. Yeah. But if you don't want to do it for yourself, like think about a loved one, think about your friend, think about your neighbors, think about like people you work with, you know, think about your grandparents, like those types of things where like, if you don't want to do it for yourself, like think about maybe doing it for, for the other people in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Again, this is probably one of the first times we've had to really consider this, you know, in a, in a sort of larger community and cultural way and you know, I, I, I've been I've been feeling the same way. Like I don't I don't want to, you know, I don't want people to feel bad about being nervous about it. I think you, that's that's a totally natural response. And if you need to take time to to make this decision, or you need to do more research, but try to try to get that try to get that information from a source that actually you know has the ability to break this whole thing down. And that's part of the reason why, why I have you out here in the first place is that I, I even I can't explain it as well as you can. And I and I think we need we need you know more people to kind of step up and and have these kinds of things and even talk about the the, the risks and concerns. But I, I've so far from what I from what I'm gathering, the 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 benefits are, are way way out, out out measuring the risks. Yes, absolutely. And the other side of the conversation too would be incentives. You know, like ever, I feel like so many yeah, decisions yeah. in our life are really based on incentives. So another incentive you can think about is that. Once you do get back, you know, like vaccinated and especially, you know, the real full term immunity tends to happen basically two weeks after the second dose, you know, of the mRNA vaccines. And, you know, once that happens and you say and your family members or your friends are vaccinated, you can go start going about your daily activities. You know, it's still super important that you're wearing your masks and doing all the social distancing, say, like out in public. But the whole point of, of like our society getting vaccinated is so we can start getting back to our daily activities and getting back to having small gatherings of family and friends at right. our house, you know, that sort of thing. And so once people do start getting vaccinated and you're vaccinated, it's okay for you to start getting back to your daily activities, yeah. you yeah. know, but still being smart, like out in the public and doing all those things, because, you know, there's still a possible theoretical risk that even though you're vaccinated, you could say, you know, get exposed to the virus and still transmit it to someone else kind of like asymptomatically. There's some of those like still concerns out there. But at the same time, like this is the whole point where like we need to start doing these vaccines so we can get our economy back and start getting our lives back and getting people connected again because humans are social animals and they, you know, we need that interaction more so than just over social media. Absolutely. So speaking of that, what's the... um I have a couple questions. First one: What, what, what how long? Now, now that we have kids starting to go back to schools and, and stuff, what's the what's the timeline on? Let's say you know, children become vaccinated. You know, my 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 son's getting getting ready to you know probably get it because he works at a grocery store, 
And so then the quite, but he hasn't gone back to school yet. We're still, we're still doing remote learning, but there's a chance before he graduates from high school, which is, this is his last year that he might get to see people in, in person again. But I'm guessing that he should still have a mask on because he could transmit, correct? And and we know that you know for two weeks or so after you're vaccinated, you're, there's still some risk of of infection, right? Of that second of that second vaccine. So is 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 that is that something that you see just in terms of masks? Like even after even after we're we're vaccinated, there's a certain amount of time until we know that every party has been vaccinated within, you know, any, any circle of people that we're spending in-person time with indoors again. It, that's, yeah, exactly. That, that's the it, rules. It, yeah. You know, I, I think that that would be the way to go. Yeah. And it would be situation to situation, meaning that like, say, he, you know, he does work at a grocery store, so he's able to get vaccinated like sooner than maybe like his colleagues at school. And so maybe, he, you know, he feels more comfortable to go back to school because even if he is exposed to the virus, yeah. he's likely to be able to fight it off and because his immune system could do that. But probably the rest of his classmates aren't. And yeah. so it still would be important for him to be an example, but also be able to, to, you know, keep the mask on and not be able to transmit it to other people, right. you know? And so I think it would be situation to situation. Right. And of course, all the, you know, the superintendents at schools making those decisions with like their public health officials, gotcha. that's probably where the information to, you know, should come yeah. from. Um, but yeah, like- but, but, but just to play it safe. You know, yeah, to play it safe, you know, in the public sphere or at least in, in situations where you're not totally sure. Right. But even say like, even say, you know, he does get vaccinated and he wants to go hang out with a couple of friends who haven't been vaccinated, but they, you know, like he, he knows that they're conscientious people and they're not like likely to, you know, been exposed. Right, right. Like then he can go and hang out with like some of his friends without masks on, yeah. you know, in a, you know, confined environment or outside that sort of thing. It's all about risks and benefits, you know, like all yeah. of these decisions are. That's are the way I've been feeling all along. Yeah. I mean, th that's what like, that's what life is all about. Like I, I've, it's I have, true. it's like, so true. I've, I feel like I've hardly ever found like, like situations where there really is a black and white answer. Like yeah. so many things in life are gray and a calculation of risks and benefits. So yeah. all of these things, I think you still have to make. And that's what America is all about is yeah. personal freedom. You yeah. know what I mean? And so you have to make some of these decisions like on a personal freedom level. I hate to say this, but this may not be the, the, the last time we have to deal with something like this in our lifetimes. And hopefully we'll be, we'll be more prepared this, this next round. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So my, more. my other question is when things open up and, and uh, we, we see the cases go down to minimal, I know this has been a hard time for, for people in, the, in health fields and doctors having to make some of these, you know, hard life and death decisions day to day. What do you, what, do you have anything that you really want to do? Uh, wow, that's a great question. I guess I hadn't even really thought about that. But I mean, besides um, a vacation of some sort. <laughs> well, well, absolutely. I mean, I was gonna. That was like the first thing that came to mind was I was like, you know, being able to go to you know, like on a vacation. But the bigger thing for me, like. I love music and I yeah, love yeah, going to yeah. like clubs and, and being able to like dance and that sort of thing and just be kind of like immersed in a, in, in a, in a crowd, you of know, people. in a crowd, all loving, just like, like the music. And yeah. so like, I think probably one of the biggest things that like, I'm just yearning for is being able to get back to that and being able to go to concerts. And that's one of mine to too, to, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to that. 
and maybe I'm gonna have to come out there and we'll we'll do it out there. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks so much for doing this. So great to see you, my friend. Oh, so great to see you too. Absolutely. And I hope uh, I hope this you know helps some people make you know different decisions. And you know, I'm happy to come back on and you know and answer other questions maybe that people you know feed to you or you know they want some more clarification on. You know, always happy to come on your podcast because I think it's awesome. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Dr. Aaron Babb, folks, hope you found this informative. So much to cover here, and, and I'm sure that we didn't get to everything. So feel free to reach out to, at our contact page on our new website, highway2.health. And we're happy to answer any questions you might have for either of us on this topic over the next couple months. And you can also reach out to me uh, at any time by my email. It's jeremy at highway2.health. Thanks for listening and for all that you do. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and take care of your planet. Be well, my friends. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.